Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday, good KMOX listening. I hope you've all planned a wonderful weekend with the weather ahead of us. is going to be, uh, as forecast, uh, pretty nice. Uh, a little bit lower on humidity, but golly, just a great opportunity to be outside. As you walk around your home, I invite you to take a walkabout and just look through your home and be aware of what's there. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. We've got two full hours today to talk all about your home, your issues, your topics, uh, perhaps uh, air conditioning, dehumidification, how that works together with an AC unit. If you're facing replacing a unit, whether just to fix the outside condenser, compressor, change the whole thing, those are decisions made every day, and having the right partner to advise you through that is a big deal. So I, I truly believe in having um, around the house uh, relationships as you and I do here on CAMWEX where you can talk it through, walk it through, and really ask questions of somebody that will tell you, no, there might be a better way. So having a little bit of advice and experience certainly is convenient and comfortable. Uh, be aware of uh, little things around your home like screens, you know, window screens on your window. It's getting down into the 60s at night, so it still remains pretty nice uh, sleeping weather if you want to open your windows and air out the house, change the air. Uh, it's always important because as we go into oh uh, the closed-up season, be aware that carbon monoxide, uh, indoor air pollutants, stuff from the plastics in your carpet, your furniture, fabrics, all of that off gases as it normally does you and i perspire anything manufactured by man actually gives off something and if it gets trapped into a very tight house then you wind up with um, you know foreign parts of the air that perhaps uh, they're not particularly damaging but if you concentrate them in a closed up house for a long time you know, then they can get to a high enough level. Very important that we change the air in our house, so that's why I'm advocating that you make sure screens are in good repair. Windows open freely, close freely, tighten. Of course, all the locking mechanisms are important. And as we get into the air conditioning season deeper and deeper, and, you know, man, if you think that it's hot now, just wait another month or two. Uh, July and August are always dandies here in the Midwest, in the Midwest, in the center of the country. My name is Scott Mosby. This is the Camwex Home Improvement Show. We've got two full hours to talk about all the things around your home, any of the issues you face. Phone lines wide open, all yours for you, ten times three one four four three six seven nine hundred four three six seven nine hundred. Toll free eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty anywhere on the globe. Today we'll be talking about all things around the home, mostly heat-related, insulated, uh, accessible, and things like that. With the humidity, I mean, we had some pretty dandy heat already uh, on a couple of bouts, two or three times already, and that you know that's just the way it is. We live in a high humidity area. We are blessed with multiple, multiple rivers converging around the St. Louis area. So as the rest of the world wonders where their water is coming from, you and I in the last uh, couple of months have wondered, golly, when will it stop? How do we get a little bit of non-rainfall going? So the humidity is. Uh, creates wonderful things. Mike Miller, the KMOX Garden Hotline, all those plants 
and violets and weeds. Get very happy and stay healthy. Phone lines, bring it on. Let's have your questions. 314-436-7900 and 800-925-1120. As you go around your house, I really advocate, especially when things get extreme, and extreme uh, means really high temperatures and really low temperatures. Well, we're a little bit beyond the low temperatures for a while, so we don't have to worry about that. But the concepts, the tools, the insulation, the isolation, all of those things that keep us comfortable, warm, and healthy, uh, or cool and healthy, depending upon the season, all remain important. So one of the big tenets in business is inspect what you expect. Uh, Likewise in construction, the oversight role, supervision, quality control, running a construction project is inspect what you expect. Make sure that it looks like what you're thinking it should look like. Those sorts of things. You as consumers are part of the team because it's your measuring stick, your satisfaction of how good is good enough that's when the project is done. So it's important that you uh, state that up front. It gets defined and recorded in the what's called contract documents, CDs, as architects call it. Uh, so just make sure that you're all on one page. It is recorded, and you're all in agreement. Uh, no different than taking a family vacation. That you know, Get everybody to weigh in first so they can buy in so that the conflicts are handled up front in an easy, relaxed way rather than in the heat of battle, if you will. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. We are in our 75th year, founded in 1947 by my father, Samuel Mosby. And uh, if he were to be on this radio show, golly, you would love him. He was a very excellent um, quality student of construction very friendly good communicator was able to tell the story so the apple doesn't fall far from the tree if if you like uh, me and my show here on KMOX you sure certainly would enjoy my father because even to this day with the, the many years I've been a good student in construction for decades uh, traveling the country to find some of the answers I looked for Half of that information you hear on KMOX here comes from my father. So this is kind of a neat thing for me, a way to honor him and keep uh, his knowledge alive and paying it forward both on the personal level where we train our own uh, associates at Mosby Building Arts as well as our neighbors, our friends, KMOX listening audience, the clients of Mosby. We're kind of all in this together trying to get the same thing. We want a good construction project for a fair price perform professionally with the least amount of interruption. Boom, here comes the Groucho Marx uh, bird dropping out of the sky with a pandemic. Uh, Now we've got Russian um, conflict in Ukraine. Holy smokes, we're in for some interesting years here. Uh, Price of oil shoots up. Oil is virtually in every building product in some form. So we're off to the races there as well. Uh, I do watch the lumber futures a little bit. The cost of uh, lumber, framing a house, two-by-fours, all those things, plywood, all of that comes from forestry prices. And forestry means a big forest. Think of it as a farm. That product gets harvested and then 
processed, well, you know, in grain form for a farmer on a, on a crop in a field, it gets processed well with a forest that goes to the sawmill. The sawmill then saws it up into dimensional lumber or whatever. The byproducts get made into plywood and all sorts of things like that. Futures continue to come down. So with the whole interest rate bump up, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of the U.S. raising interest rates um, or, or rediscount rates, the, the cost of money is getting more expensive. Therefore, it's softening and moderating at a lot of these prices. Anyway, suffice it to say, it's getting a better, to be a better time, more affordable time to do construction. Uh, one of the big pressures on the price of construction from a contractor's point of view is it costs a whole lot more for us just to drive around to get back and forth to the project, go pick up materials, things like that. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy there that, you know, yes, the cost of materials is dropping a little bit uh, or the demand is dropping causing downward pressure but by golly all the stuff on inflation you know it's roaring faster and faster and faster anyway suffice it to say we're kind of standing still in all this until you go to borrow money that's when it really hits you a 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 going to take a short break here and come right back for more we've got great phone calls on the line 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 i am scott mosby this is camo x and i am here for you at your service local news and information direct to your smart speaker just say play kmox Oh, yes, indeed. Back together Saturday morning, KMOX, middle of the day, middle of the country. And it's a warm one today, less warm than has been and forecast as well. We've got a great weekend ahead of us, relatively low humidity here in St. Louis. So take advantage of it. Get outside, get going, do whatever you can. It's a great time to be outside because when the heat comes again, and it will, it'll get into the 90s. And, you know, when the humidity combined with the heat, it's an issue. So anyway, we'll talk about that. Right back to the phone lines here, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's start with my friend on Keith. Hey, Keith, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How may I help you, sir? Hey, Scott, thank you for your service. Uh, And uh, one note, uh, you know that 800 number? It's not working. Oh, really? Yeah, I just, uh, but that's not why I called. I wanted to remind everybody that, you know, like yesterday, my power went off, and my power was out, like, for seven hours. And, and uh, I, I, I was like, I, I needed to remind my, my wife and kids that if, in case an emergency happened and we had to get the car out of the driveway, that red handle on the uh, overhead door, you know, on the, on the, on the garage door, Amen. so you could open that thing up, you know? Yes. And, if you can and get there to was it. A lot of, <laughs> Sometimes yeah, that handle uh, hangs right over the top of the car. Have to get a ladder to pull that puppy. And and uh, I, I told my mother-in-law and some of the neighbors, and they didn't even realize that you know if your power goes out, you pull that handle and you can lift that garage door up. Yes, yes. And uh, and the, the keep, other thing keep I keep describing noticed, that. Keep describing that as to what happens if you would please, Keith. That you're you're sharing yeah, some really you put, good info. There, there's a red. There's a red. There's a red rope and a red handle on it, and uh, you pull it down, and it unleashes it from the garage door opener. And then you're and this able is the track to... above. This is a track on the ceiling, not the tracks on the side of the house. These, you know, on the wall. This is up above your head. Yeah, 
and mine is right in the middle of the of the uh, door. I'm looking at it right now, and it's right in the middle of the door. You pull that, and it releases it. So now your garage door can open, and it can run on the tracks both on the left and the right hand side. Okay. Okay. And, and then and it moves when, freely. The spring should be adjusted where you're not heavily lifting this thing. It, it, it exactly. Just and moves. It, at my mother-in-law's house, it was so heavy that she couldn't lift the garage door. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of lifted it up for her, and then we pulled her car out. So just in case, you know, because the power was out for quite a long time, and you never know an emergency happens, and you've got to get out of there, you know. Yes, yes. This and, is really one good other, information. And one other thing is that I, you know, that, that handle's red, and the rope is red and white. Well, all these hummingbirds come into my garage, and they think that it's a flower, and they oh. pick on the rope. So I had, a, I had to replace the rope because the hummingbirds had just chewed up the rope so bad because they thought it was a flower or something. <laughs> oh, I've, I've never heard of such a thing, but it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the hummingbirds just fly right into the garage, and they think that that red handle's a, uh, a flower and something. And then they see that red rope, and they start chewing on that red rope. And uh, it, so I had to replace that whole thing. Wow, wow. Hey, Keith, thank you very much. This is really good information. And for those of you get, that get stuck in your garage, sometimes your car is the only way to get air conditioning when your power is out. So uh, absolutely pull yeah. that red handle. Thanks to Keith. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, man, you bet. You bet. Thank you, Keith. Uh, reiterate what Keith was sharing is on the, if you have an overhead garage door opener, power operator, you know, press the button in your car, press the button in the garage, whatever, and that thing opens your garage door. When the power goes out on older units, then you can't open the garage door because there's no electric to run the motor. Well, this is a safety disconnect. It's it's a little T-handle. It looks like a pull handle on a lawnmower or a lawn implement of something like that on a portable engine. So you just reach over your head. It's usually red, as Keith is describing, and some brands are red and white rope. Some ropes are white. Some are red and whatever. But that does disengage the connection of your door away from the garage door opener. So now that operator... If it doesn't work, you still can lift the door and you can close the door. Uh, and security-wise, you can't really lock the door or shouldn't either way because if the power does come back on. To this point, there are many new garage manufacturers, garage door openers, that are putting small backup batteries in those units. I know Chamberlain has one or two models. You're up at the top end of the line. Um, some of these... Uh, openers are made by tool manufacturers, uh, DeWalt, things like that, where your battery packet for your portable tool, like a cordless drill, goes on there, and that becomes the backup battery in some of those brands as well. The the long and the short of it is, is now manufacturers in the upper ends of their lines of products for garage door operators, they're building in the ability to open and close that garage door. You can only do it maybe one or two times. These are not big batteries. They're going to handle you for a week. This is just something that in a pinch, if you need to get out, or if you need to get into something that's air-conditioned, you have to pull that car out of the garage. Do not run your car in the garage. Carbon monoxide will build up. So you've got to open that door, pull the car outside, find a shady spot, 
cool off with that. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Thank you to Keith. Good info how to get out in a power outage from your garage and garage door opener. Uh, let's get into Cliff and see what's happening. Hey, Cliff, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wex, my friend. How are you this morning? Thank you very well. I've got a question about my hot water heater. It's a 50-gallon gas. I read an article in a magazine about a product. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Coopro Tech Water Heater Anode Rod. Yes, yes. It's supposed to extend the life of the uh, water heater. Absolutely, and and your water heater has one built into there, but depending upon the quality of your water is how fast that anode rod deteriorates. It's a sacrificial piece of metal that slides down inside your water heater, and if you go look at the top of the water here, you can see where they actually go in because it's a, uh, if you have any experience with saltwater boating, um, you put a, a boat in the water with a steel. Oh, yeah, a little bit uh, sh- of sacrificial anodes. There you go, brother. Same same thing, only not in salt water, but you still have those same minerals and salts flying around in a water well or potable water system. So that's why uh, they're pretty standard in water heaters, to, you know, today. But about 15 years ago, there was only one manufacturer, pretty much one or two, and they're, they put in bad quality anode rods and they fell apart in two years and and you know a lot of water heaters deteriorated very rapidly didn't even make it to five years before they started leaking because the minerals attacked that iron in the tank oh dear yeah big deal you're bringing up a very valuable anode pardon me do i need to replace the anode now it's about Uh, 10 years old oh yeah you're getting close uh because the life of a water heater is typically around 15 years on a good day so somewhere between 10 and 20 years most water heaters poop out about 10 years along the way uh if you can first off flush that water heater get all the mineral deposits out of the bottom that's always just good general preventive maintenance once a year but the second thing is you have to turn your water off pressure off drain the tank somewhat so that the pressure is relieved and on the top of the uh, water heater if you look at the top there's some nuts you've got a, a hot water out and a cold water in and then you've got this other big nut looking thing um, kind of like a an, a freeze uh, expansion plug or something on an engine that's things on screws and then you just buy and you put your anode rod back in there you have to kind of match the anode rod to your water tank brand and size can I pour vinegar inside that hole? Uh, sure. Sure you can. You just have oh. to be able to flush it out pretty quickly. Uh, vinegar is actually a pretty good thing. To, that, I mean, that's a great idea. The problem is is um, the vinegar has a flavor. It will embed itself in the liner around your pipes, whether they're iron or copper. You know, because in St. Louis, we have minerals around here that our rivers do. That's where the water comes from. And water wells are the same way. Their water table comes from river water anyway so my point is is if you put vinegar in there you better be ready to flush that out a lot because you can't really put enough vinegar in to handle all of the pipes you can clean out that water heater and drain it and flush that but you have to flush it you know 15 times where you know turn the supply water on and off and have the drain below open and drain that's how i drain or flush my water tank anyway is i just use the connected water hook a hose up so i can just let it run 
But if you put vinegar in there, the problem is a little bit of it will follow through, go into your system, and sometimes can embed itself in the mineral uh, deposits all over your pipes inside your house. And then everything tastes like vinegar for about a week. Okay. Okay. So, yes, you can if you're willing to go there, but because vinegar is a low-grade mineral um, um, dissolving acid, and, you know, we eat it on our salads all the time. Very good. Hey, good Thank idea. you for your service. You bet. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, Cliff. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Take a short pause here. I've had a little too much fun with Keith and Cliff. We'll have to come back for a little break and come back right after this on University of KMOX. Hey, it's Tom Ackerman. Join me Monday mornings at 9.50 for our new feature, Five Minutes with Number Five. And you know who that is, Albert Pujols. Five Minutes with Number Five, Mondays at 9.50 a.m. on The Voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. All right, continuing on, home improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, middle of the day, middle of the country. We are together live and lively, in Mike Miller's words. Let's go to my friend Lucy, see what's cooking with her. Lucy, good morning. How can we help you here on KMOX today? Hi, Scott. Um, My husband and I live in a ranch home, and we are looking to expand our master bedroom and bathroom. Um, And we had a contractor come out to give us an estimate, but... He wouldn't give us one unless we hired an architect for about four or five thousand dollars to give some sort of design plan. And so we were just looking for just some sort of ballpark to know how much we um, are talking to add on to our house. Um, And so I just didn't know if that was the normal process to hire an architect first or if you have any sort of idea of a ballpark for a 20 by 20 addition. Well, I'll ask you a few questions. This is a, a four or five different direction answer. Uh, there mm-hmm. has to be a design before you have a hard number, um, but this is a ballpark guesstimate number, so that's kind of how it is. W- would uh, How far off the ground is the floor where you want to put this addition? Is it going to be eight feet tall with a big concrete foundation underneath it, or is it just going to be a crawl space? Or, or tell me more. Um, we, well, we, we were thinking probably just a crawl space. We're not looking to expand the basement. Okay. Uh, is it only four feet down to the soil where that floor bath, that, that, uh, area is? Because sometimes you have yeah, to okay. do, even your crawl space can get six, seven and eight feet tall. Um, that's going. the thing we, we don't really know that. Um, so I guess yeah. that's something we need to find out. Right. Well, that's why, um, Contractors that build or bid build, they typically um, aren't set up to take uh, consumers through the design process and the many questions it takes to ask questions and answers and then explain the differences among the choices. So it takes quite a bit of time to define and discover whether, you know, 20 by 20 is the right size or 18 by 26, all of that, foundations, Mm -hmm. utilities, does the water line come in underneath where the addition goes, is a sewer out there, how does it tie into the roof, all that kind of stuff that's in there. So you're talking to a contractor that builds and they're not really set up to design um, or estimate without a set of plans. Uh, So that's the traditional architect uh, direction. Our company is design-build just because of the way you're describing. I, you know, just get me close. I, I, I want to know whether it's worth it to hire an architect for four or 5000 or whatever the price. So exactly. I get it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I can give you an idea, um, and it's obscene. I will tell you that because with the pandemic and the inflation, the materials, uh, generally, um, when you're talking a, an addition like that, you know, would you have a bathroom in it as well, or w- would this be big open space, or does it include a bathroom with a shower or such? Tell me more about that. Yes, bathroom, shower. Uh, it's just we, we just kind of have a small bathroom and bedroom right now, so we're just yeah. trying to expand the whole thing. Okay. Well, here's the next thing. Uh, it kind of costs what it costs, uh, but this is on the appraisal. So how do you drive and add more value to your house than it costs to build? That means if you can leave your bedrooms alone, add a full master suite, then you're increasing bedroom count and you're increasing bathroom count, which increases the you know value of your home in an appraisal for a bank to lend on that product. You follow where I'm going there? Yes. So increasing the size of your bedroom makes your house more saleable, but from an appraiser's eyes or a bank's eyes, not any more valuable. So that's one Got issue. Um, if you're including a bathroom, closet, master suite, 20 by 20, generally gets a little bit bigger than this. Uh, on a ranch, um, crawl space, golly, you know, you're in the neighborhood of a couple hundred thousand dollars, believe it or not. Okay. Because you're building, this is a custom home you're building. It's a one-off. So, you know, the you know well, I can buy a new house for 310 Yes, you can. But that's a production system where the foundation company, company just goes boom 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 this is a one-off mm-hmm. on every trade that comes in so you are building a custom uh structure of that size and generally it gets to be somewhere between you know 250 and 400 dollars a square foot when you shape it all in when you throw in bathrooms or kitchens room additions like that mm-hmm. so it's not an inexpensive thing and and that's where design build companies ours and others like us uh really offer that the risk from a business standpoint uh, right here on the radio is blowing people away because they don't believe it's going to cost that much well when you get in there it does so that's the issue and why some companies just say you know i i can be more affordable if i only build i'm set up only for building right following that okay is that helping that yeah that's that's helpful I, it sounds like if we really want to go forward we just need to get that designer or architect in first we just didn't know that that was the, the order <laughs> well that but it doesn't have to there are companies and there are there are contractors like the one you called that are kind of a partnership with an architect the problem is, is mm-hmm. everybody's so busy that they're hesitant to recommend anybody else because if they get bad service from the architect they recommend, if they don't get right on it or make you happy, they lose that business as well. So it's kind of a risky deal from a business standpoint unless you control the whole thing in one company like we do. Then, But still, you know, we make people mad all the time by going out and looking at it because we have, you know, we build enough of these things to know. And, you know, frankly, full disclosure, we just make you mad up front instead of in the middle with change orders. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) I I don't know how more crudely or simply to put it, but, you know, if you don't do your homework and beware, many companies uh, aren't built to communicate that. And that's where all the change order uh, horror stories come from is they don't really do the homework. They aren't accustomed to telling you what the future is going to look like, but they're very good at building. So you can get a good product, but, you know, it might be a tough uh, process. Got it. 
All right. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you, Scott. Okay, Lucy. Take care. Bye now. You too. Bye-bye. Home improvement, Scott Mosby. And and frankly, that's a big deal. Um, And this is where I'm going to get off on a little Scott here. There are salespeople and then there are experienced builder salespeople that, you know, typically uh, our company, my father got into home inspections years ago and was actually one of the three people that founded Ashy American Society of Home Inspectors in the 70s right here in St. Louis because he was aware of how little home buyers knew about their homes. Uh, Well, now that still is central in Mosby Building Arts because we have to go in and we have to look at the electric panel. Well, the electric panel's bum. It's an old one. It's an old Federal Pacific. has to be changed. There's $3,000. Okay, well, is it a crawl space, a slab on grade, or a full foundation? Well, it's a crawl space. It'll be pretty inexpensive, but because of the way the yard slopes, it's going to be seven feet tall at the uh, uh, tallest end. Well, golly, that's almost a full foundation, and in the unit cost, the way foundation companies pour and price their product that's virtually the same price as a full foundation. So all you add in is a floor drain, a few things. Now you can put your furnace down there. On and on and on, tie-in, cutting holes in foundations, rerouting the the, uh, the uh, um, water, the sewer, electric, all those things, irrigation systems out in the yard, all those things either are or are not remembered, considered, and estimated up front. So anyway, the long and the short of it is that's why we do business the way we do because if the architect is really good and the builder is really good and and they get along and play nicely in the sandbox, you get an extraordinary project. But if you don't, and that's kind of the model, where do, where do I start first? What do I do? Well, it takes a good set of plans and it takes even a contractor to come because after an architect is finished drawing, they haven't necessarily focused so much on, you know, how deep is the sewer? You know, do I have to move the water supply line? Uh, what are the, um, anyway, that kind of thing. How does it affect um, overhead power lines, uh, utilities, phones, all that stuff? 314-436-7900, 436-7900. Big, long conversation with Lucy. Um, this Scott Mosby here, I've been a little bit too wordy here. Let's take a short pause and come back for more right here on CAMWEX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, baby, we are rocking out here, Studio B. We're just making it happen. Oh, 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 watch. Never, excuse me. I'll be back. It's radio. No visuals here. Scott Mosby, right here, 314-436-7900. Well, I'll stop saying the 800 number. Apparently, that's not connecting through the modern modern miracles of uh, information technology and phones. Let's talk with my buddy, Jim. Hey, Jim, good morning. Welcome, Camlex, my friend. How can I make your day better today? My ice maker is not making ice. Uh, okay. The, uh, the border... The water is working fine coming out of the out of the door, but I'm okay. not getting no water to the ice maker. Is this possible that my uh, filter needs to be changed? Um, well, it's probable that your filter needs to be changed because you and I forget about those things until there's a problem. So generally speaking, everybody's water filter needs to be changed uh, more often yeah. than not. Uh, probably never, not the I've problem with you. What's that? What? 
it's probably not the problem that you're facing. If you're getting water out of the dispenser in your refrigerator door, then the water is working fine. There is a filler mechanism, a little arm, a lever. There's usually a little metal piece of like wire um, that that flips down or up that yeah. once the ice builds up, that wire thing lifts up and it's, it realizes, well, the, you know, the tray is full. I, I'm, I don't need to make any more ice. So if you could well, pull the tray. ice out of that tray, dump the ice and, and exercise that wand and see if that thing is, it allows water to fill into the ice. Maker. Oh, my tray is empty right now. <laughs> Oh, really? Well, reach out. Sometimes the one way to turn the water or the ice maker off is to lift that wand up. Some models actually have a hold-up feature that is the way to turn off that water, that ice maker. So make sure uh-huh. that it flops down uh, in its lower position. And if not, I will say you're probably ready for a new ice maker or a service repair call because the ice makers yeah. are definitely the weakest link on every refrigerator. They're just not yeah. rocket science. Yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and probably go ahead and change your filter there too, Jim, for heaven's sakes. You know, I uh, you know what? I'm gonna change my water filter as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Right on. Thank you. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. uh, Talk just a little bit about ice makers. The number one cause of home damage, water damage in a home is a failed ice maker on refrigerators. So of all the things that your homeowner's insurance company fears, it is a bum ice maker uh, because they fail. They, you know, they're just not rocket science. They're kind of like the wand on a pullout uh, uh, faucet, you know, when you have the, the spritzer. Those are the things that typically fail first. The faucet, the cartridge, hot and the cold will go for a while. But the sprayer just is not as high quality as the rest of the faucet. Likewise, in a refrigerator with water dispensing and ice maker, the ice maker tends to work a lot and often because at this time of year, you know, I hit the ice tray pretty hard every time I want a glass of anything. It starts with uh, ice. So uh, anyway, that's kind of the 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 part of that. Um, then uh, if it fails, then you've got a problem with this and, and you know, the lead time. Anyway, the long and the short of it is ice makers are the weakest link in all of your kitchen and appliances. uh, So you're probably facing a new one. But if it's not, just exercising that wand, uh, just lifting it up and down and up and down and make sure the wand is down in the uh, tray unfilled position. That will trigger, you should hear the water flow, you know, that flowing sound that comes into your water maker or your ice maker from the water flow at the time. That's an important piece too. Um, And uh, and just generally water filters uh, in this time of year, each time, I have two times when I really reset all my clocks and change all my batteries and check into my smoke detectors and all that, and that's daylight savings time. When we go on it, I run around the house and I check all the batteries, and, and typically when we come off of it in the winter time, I probably have fewer fun things going on outside. So around you know the October, November time when daylight savings time stops, that's when I change batteries and I ch- reset the clocks. And I also typically change all my water filters on the ice maker on the fridge if I have one on the house or various places, uh, steam ovens. Some steam ovens have uh, water filters 
on uh, steam ovens and kitchens. So anyway, those are some of the things I do. And frankly, thank you to, uh, golly, Cliff earlier on the anode rod on a hot water heater. Hey, Scott, remember to drain your water heater. So I'm going to get into that, explain that. Uh, the point being that minerals are everywhere. We called hard water. So if you have hard water or water spots, and you know it after a shower, if you have a glass shower door and you, and you let the water dry on that glass or window, you know, you get water spots, and then you go to wipe them off. It should be really easy. Well, when they're not easy to wipe off, those are min- those are the minerals showing the ring of that water spot that is behind. Not really the water, but the minerals. And outdoor on the house, it might be dust as well. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of the point with that. But uh, changing those water filters is an important part and likewise, making sure that the anode rod in your water heater uh, at around 10 years, 10 to 12 years, they're, they're $50, $60. If you call a plumber to do it, you know, it's $50 or $60 to buy the anode rod, but it's going to be a trip charge of probably $200. So to change, having a plumber come over just to change your anode rod, you know, that's a little cost prohibitive. If, on the other hand, you can amass a long list of things that a plumber can do, then you take that trip charge because it costs, you know, costs the employer X number. He's paying the plumber same amount when he's working as when he's driving. So the goal is how do you make as much work time out of that tradesman, whether it's a handyman, a plumber, electrician, whatever. Make your list. Try and get as long a list because the more you have, the less driving around and the more preparation they can be in showing up with the right materials. That's a big deal. So likewise, in a plumber to change just the anode rod, I think I'd go around and I'd, excuse me, I'd exercise all the hot and cold faucets. I would look and see if there are any drips on my shower, tubs, lavatory sinks all throughout the house, kitchen sink, anything that could need attention, uh, even uh, removing some of the P-traps and cleaning those out under the sinks. So typically, if you can get a three or four hour job out of a plumber, then you're going to get a better um, value because your $200 trip charge divided by four things you had repaired or just one add-on rod that carries just a lot of expense because, you know, the employer has to pay for the drive time for that plumber, electrician, a tradesman or whatever. So anyway, long and the short of it. Stay tuned next hour on KMOX. I'll be back for more University of KMOX. Stay tuned to KMOX all day long. It's going to be a great day. Good day to be outside. Let's get it done, folks. You and me out around the house. Get our water and furnace filters changed here. Back after the news, weather, and sports. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, lunchtime. Hello and welcome to KMOX. Uh, Welcome back uh, from the top of the hour if you've been part of the first hour today. And indeed, stay tuned all day. We've got a great lineup of KMOX. Uh, Good afternoon of entertainment and connection. Take us with you anywhere you want. Uh, You can actually take us on the car, car phone, all of that on your uh, smartphone. You can use the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's the the, uh, Odyssey is the company that... uh, is the, that owns all of KMOX. So we are now Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. You can get that Odyssey app. Choose any of the uh, radio stations, including KMOX. Also, KMOX.com. You can listen live there anytime, all the time, or tune in as we are here 
now. Uh, phone lines are open. Uh, bring it on. Let's go. Uh, we were warming up through the first hour. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. I'm told by one of our listeners that the 800 number is not working, so uh, perhaps that's just me that's uh, out of touch. 314-436-7900. And uh, we'll get it going. So bring it on. Let's talk about it. We talked about various things. Uh, uh, one of our uh, listeners, after the uh, weather we had last week and some of the problems, the power outages that still persist in some parts of St. Louis, that uh, indeed your garage door opener can be removed, released from your door so you can get out in a power outage. You can get out of the garage in a power outage. That's important. Uh, Keith called in and said uh, he, he, you know, he, he did that for his mother, friends, various things. So be aware there is a red handle on a garage door opener. There should be. If there's not, make sure you have one and have it installed. And it, uh, it gets adjusted to be, oh, about seven feet above the floor in the garage. It typically locates about a foot to two feet away from the garage door from the front of that door. So when you're standing inside the garage, pretty much right, standing right in front of your car, you look straight up, there should be this T-handle like a motor starter, like an engine starter, pull start um, on a lawn implement or, or gasoline engine. That's the type of thing. You just pull it. So on some models, you can move it forward and backwards, and it will remain disconnected. Uh, and uh, one of our retired firefighters called in last hour and suggested sometime, once you do that, uh, if, you, if your springs on your garage door are not properly adjusted to hold that door up in its open position, perhaps you, you have an old wood door or heavy door from past years, Sometimes those uh, overpower, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> overpower the springs, and you may need to prop it open with a safety two by four or broom handle, something that can hold up that garage door. Just be aware there is a way out. But as you disconnect it, if you go to bed at night and you're still without power, <clears throat> recognize that garage door is not secure. Uh, there are ways to secure the door, but I'm not going to tell it to you because sometimes if you do it and that garage door opener gets hooked back up, you can burn out the garage door opener. So I'm going to keep that one to myself. Those of you that know what I'm talking about, you're capable of doing it there. So uh, just be aware of that. So that was uh, in the first hour. Now, also, uh, the anode rod in the hot water heater. About 10 years, Cliff was suggesting that uh, could have a little bit of val validity. Uh, the anode rod, I'll talk to a little bit more about that as we get into the hour it's a sacrificial piece of metal designed to attract the problems uh, of of minerals uh, attacking your iron or water heater tank uh, because the minerals react with iron they cause electrolysis they cause rust or deteriorate either way they'll they'll eat a hole in your water tank very quickly in some various types of water supplies, if you, especially if you're on a water well. So the anode rod is a piece of metal for those of you, those of you that are boaters that have uh, boated on salt water. When you tie up your boat, the very salt water in the ocean attacks steel on a boat hull, uh, and it can really wreak havoc on expensive things fast. So there are anode rods or sacrificial plates that get put around that boat slip to protect the boat from deteriorating. So anyway, any, any of you that are boaters, that's kind of the same old, same old thing. Uh, and we talked with Lucy about adding on a uh, 20 by 20 or master bed, bedroom addition. 
some of the things with that, um, we at Mosby Building Arts are licensed architects in the state of Missouri uh, just for this reason, so that we have the ability to do the full design. We have all the carpenters, all the painters, the plumbers, the electricians. We have everybody necessary, including certified kitchen designer, certified bath designer, certified aging in place designer, licensed architects, state of the Missouri, and, and several other states as well. The point being that it only matters how the whole team does as to whether the consumer has a good experience or not. Uh, the weakest link always is the problem. Uh, and my father got into design build in the late 70s because as a remodeler, these are generally smaller projects, but they still require good design. They still require uh, conforming to the setbacks and the zoning ordinances of every municipality where a project, so even putting in just a, a deck or maybe, uh, you know, a storage building, it could be a big deal to get a building permit, as many of you have discovered over the years. So the point being that um, having everybody on one team gives us the best opportunity to get it right. Um, and the reason my dad did it is because he couldn't find architects for room additions, decks, screen porches. He started drawing the plans himself, and he went back to school to get those skills. Now, today, you know, 2022 Mosby Building Arts, we have, you know, several licensed architects, a full design team. We are an architectural firm in our team of about 10 to 12 people. Uh, and that's who keeps everybody else busy in the rest of the company. So just the value of knowing kind of what this thing's going to cost, which means how much trouble am I in? Am I willing to spend that kind of money to put on a room addition? And this is going to become more and more and more of the solution for homeowners because if you have to refinance your whole house, then you're now buying your money, according to current mortgage rates, at 5.5% for 30 years. Whereas your old mortgage might be at 3, 3 and a quarter. Well, I don't want to get rid of that. I'll just buy a home improvement loan. I'll have an add-on uh, uh, loan. So you wind up borrowing whatever it is just for the room addition and keeping your old low interest rate loan. So that's kind of how this is all unfolding and why Lucy was asking the question she did. Uh, either either way, make sure you know what's going into your project because a really good set of drawings, a scope of work which describes exactly what gets done, um, and an agreement with you, the contractor, and the suppliers of exactly what you're getting is very important because that's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to get the details right, which is why plans are often not really um, done well because it's expensive, costly, and takes a lot of time. And, you know, from our point of view at Mosby Building Arts, that's where we get to understand the client. You know, understanding that, no, I want a hinge door. I don't want a sliding door. Uh, I'm left-handed, so I want the dishwasher on the left side, not on the right side. There's so many little things like that that educate a good design professional that how to properly serve that particular client. That's why it's important. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I got in a little bit. Uh, ice makers, change your water filters, change your air filters with all the pollen flying around, still flying around. Uh, you might need to change your furnace air filter every month for the next few months because then once we get finished with the pollen, uh, if it dries out, I, and there's a big if. We don't know. It just keeps on raining. But if it dries out, then you wind up with the dust flying around. So as you just come in and out the door, that's just part and parcel of living in any home, apartment, or 
you know, multi-story, you know, condo unit. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. Uh, I own Mosby Building Arts with my wife. Uh, We are in our third generation. And uh, it's a a fun thing to do to help people achieve their dreams. Uh, And then we get a hug, high five, and we get paid for it too. It's, It's kind of amazing. So, Building a three-dimensional something that I can see in 50 years uh, really has value. It's kind of a, a, a affirming thing. It's like, okay, I, I contributed to mankind while I was on the earth. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby, X, and I am at your service. For every... Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, afternoon on KMOX. It's a uh, warm day here in St. Louis, a little bit humid, but as it goes and has it's been, pretty good weather all around. Let's go to the phone line, see what's cooking with my buddy Danny. Hey, Danny, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you, sir? Hey, Scott, uh, appreciate your uh, wealth of knowledge and your show. I uh, I have a Kohler... Uh, glass shower door it's a okay. it says Kohler by Sterling and it's been in for about two years now and the other day the magnet that keeps the door secured while you're in the shower uh, it completely fell apart on me uh, where's the best place to find one of them uh, well the best place frankly everybody buys the same kind of stuff from uh, several wholesalers, and one of the big wholesalers for glass, uh, shower doors, tracks, rollers, stuff like that, is a company online called C.R. Lawrence, like Cat Roger L. Loudmouth, L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E. And they used to have a catalog two inches thick that weighed about 12 pounds. And you can it'll take you a long time to go through that. Or just go to a glass company, something like St. Charles Glass, Kirkwood Glass, you know, any place that does shower doors. The Sterling Company is a pre-packaged, um, um, so it's not a custom door. You buy it in a box and you put it up on your bathroom. Uh, that somewhat makes it difficult to get the parts. So I would suggest first go to a glass company if you can get this thing off uh, and take it in and, because they, you know, they have warranty responsibilities on a lot of these things. Um, they may or may not have something that works, or if not, you can go online direct to crlawrence.com and look for that. The issue there is, you know, seek and you shall find. The problem is when you find them, you'll find 12 of them and you only need, you're looking at it and it's like, well, I don't know which of the 12 it is. It kind of looks like this one and kind of, you know, so not being in the glass business, it's it's a great resource and it's a dangerous place to get the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, and I just need the magnet. The magnet yeah. slides in and out of a track. So the glass company would actually have the magnet that goes in the track? They might. They're, they they at least know how to get it because going to a hardware store, uh, you can try a hardware store as well as well because they can buy a Sterling door. Um, but parts is a whole different uh, beast in terms of how they distribute. I mean, the, the problem is, is that 
magnet probably costs 20 cents. Even if they sell it for $2, they're losing money because it takes about $10 of labor to stock it. And, and you know, so that's, that's why you have trouble finding a lot of these replacement parts. They, they, they're just, um, <laughs> they're, they just yeah. cost more to distribute than they cost to make. Yeah. I, I went to Amazon and they were showing like a, a 65 inch strip right. that was in a roll. And I thought, well, I didn't know. I mean, it's like ten bucks, and I'm thinking I hate to order it, and then it doesn't fit, or I didn't know whether to contact Kohler directly or what yeah. to do. Well, Sterling is a separate company. They're kind of a prepackaged. Uh, Kohler's kind of an upper quality line. Sterling is the one you can buy in your hardware store, you know, in big box, okay. Depot, Lowe's, all that. They're not. They will have some parts. I don't know that you'll have this one, but I would. I would start number one uh, with a uh, hardware store. Uh, glass okay. supply company uh, for for me, Kirkwood, St. Charles Glass, the companies that know this stuff. And they generally, if they don't have it, they say, oh, no, you can go get that at such and such. Or they know how to, okay. you know, get it for you. And, yeah, this is one of those things of, you know, knowing which screw to turn and, you know, 40, $45 for knowing which screw to turn and $5 for turning the screw. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know what? Thank you once again. Uh, anytime I call you, you always get me squared away. Well, I get you launched in a direction that maybe might, might result in success. I may not know the exact answer, but I kind of know how to go about, you know, messing it up along the way. So, <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much. Right on, Danny. Take care, brother. All right. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Again, uh, little things like shower door. I, I can't tell you how. I mean, for my version of luxury is little things like when I go to take the shower, you know, I, I close the shower door, it does latch, and it seals, and it doesn't leak, and I turn on the shower, and it has a nice, nice shower head, and I have, you know, good pressure, and it doesn't leak or drip, so I have to go back and clean them in. So it's the little things that work very reliably that in my world um, are the most valuable. So whether it's gold-plated um, you know, Versailles French opulence. Man, I just want that thing to do what it's supposed to do. Oftentimes it costs more to put quality inside the cartridge and the fixture than it does to put uh, brass finish or gold finish or whatever. So it's it's very uh, what looks good and what works long range and reliably are not always the same thing. And, you know, anyway, long and the short of that. Anyway, we'll see what's cooking here. Let's talk with my buddy Jim, see what's happening with him. Jim, good afternoon. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help, sir? Hey there, Jim. Are you there? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. I'm having button problems. What? I'm here. Yeah. There you go. Hey, brother. Hey, Jim. Hey. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Yeah. The house was built in 1927. It's 45 feet long and 30 feet wide. Okay. And the roofer says... uh Instead of putting a ridge ridge vent, he wants to put a pot vent in there, four of them, Mm -hmm. uh, instead. Because the overhang doesn't have any uh, vents in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have no objection to that. I have no objection to that. Uh, Houses that don't have an overhang or an inlet low, I've actually seen those pot vents put in, you know, two feet up above, you know, the gutters. Uh, The problem with that. Is no, you, you don't get, want to put them there. Right. You want to put well, them over pro- up by the ridge. 
Well, he puts them on the ridge, so that's the exhale. So heat, heat rises, so your, your attic uh, heats up, and then the hot air goes out the top. The problem with having a ridge vent or even these pan vents. Um, and, and that's what he's talking is, about, pan vents. Yeah, and they're fine. They they're, they move the air, and as long as they're gen- they're evenly distributed across the top, those work just fine. Don't have to do a ridge vent. Uh, they're more affordable, and they are effective. But the the air going out of your attic will draw a vacuum in your home. So having some sort of inlet, intake, inhale down near your gutters is important. The problem is I've seen some of those pan vents put, you know, two or three feet up from the gutter. So you wind up with inhale intake there, and then it exhausts on another pan vent, you know, 12 feet up the roof further. That's reliable until you get a snowstorm or an ice storm or the winters come in in St. Louis, because then you can wind up with icing in. Actually, now it becomes a hole in the roof where the ice builds up and drips in, you know, when it warms up. You following what I'm saying there? Yeah, but the next question is, wouldn't it be better to have a ridge vent and have uh, we have an overhang and put the vents in that? Amen. Amen. It, yeah, I, it, this, if you can get the vents in that overhang or down by the gutter, that's optimal. Then, then you're getting good ventilation, whether you're using pan vent top or ridge vent top. It doesn't matter. Okay. You're, you know, on a house that size, you can put four pan vents in, that are really good at, at exhausting and, and ventilating your attic. And if you want to put more in, you can put four on the other side, too. So, you know, you've got a lot of good choices. It's it's pretty easy. But it, the most important thing, to your point, uh, Jim, is to put them on the low overhang. That's, that's the valuable part. And a lot of roofers don't want to mess with that. That's kind of like carpentry. You can cut through some wood rafters and such. So Yeah, yeah. So uh, he said because of the age of the house that uh, it would be difficult to put in the overhang uh, vents. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes it is, the way depending upon insulation and how they're built. Uh, 1927, you know, that's a, that's a uh, what we call stick-built roof, so a big pile okay. of lumber showed up. You should be able to put some ventilation down low. Okay. The other thing is, uh, have you heard of Centene? architectural shingles uh yes you recommend uh i love architectural are you talking about the brand or the architectural type well both yeah um i love architectural shingles they are now the standard when you go to resell your house if you have a three tab shingle um which is your standard old shingle it's uh it's frowned on because it's too simple and an architectural shingle gives you uh, irregular surfaces. So when you have some of the buildup of um, some of the mildew on your shingles, it's less visible um, deterioration. So it's just a better looking roof. It's not a big upcharge from three tab shingles. And in, in fact, right now in the market, you have to work to find a standard three tab shingle because it's such a um, simple roof. So you, you know what I mean? Right. So, okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, Appreciate good one, Jim. It. Take take care. Vent vent it right, and uh, it'll it'll be really good for your roof. Okay, thanks. Okay, take care. Scott Mosby, home improvement. We got into shower doors, uh, roof ventilation. Uh, here here's the deal on roof ventilation. Roof ventilation in a in a short form. Uh, whatever air goes out of your if you don't if you have an unvented attic, um, then it's like a pressure cooker. 
the sun beats down on your shingles, even if they're white, your attic is going to be 20, 30, 40, 50 degrees hotter than the outside ambient air outdoors. Even when the wind blows, you're not really changing the air because there's no hole in your attic unless you have those gable end vents. If you have those gable end vents, then you need to cover those up to put the pan vents on and or the ridge vent. Long and the short of it is the air comes in low by the gutters winter and summer so it's good to ventilate your attic because right now uh, you know today we've got a low humidity day and it's 50 percent you know so half of the maximum amount of water we can hang in the air in vapor form you know it's still wet air when you get into some of these really day like last few weeks we had some 80 percent humidity days they were you know stifling you know what i'm talking about. well that's wet air do you really want 80 percent water vapor in your attic without changing the air, without ventilating, moving it through. Um, because, you know, you got food source, which is lumber, building materials. You've got heat, and you now have water. So those are the three things necessary to, to rot wood, to grow mildew and bacteria. So uh, ventilating your attic is very important for indoor air quality. And the issue is if you vent the top part of the attic, up the roof, roof without creating an inlet it'll suck the air from the inside of your house around your plumbing stacks your electrical outlets around all your light fixtures on the ceiling between the attic and and the uh, uh, second story or first story depending on your house the point being is the inlet air is more important than the exhaust air, if I can simplify it to that. Well, Scott Mosby here on KMOX, 314-436-7900, I'm going to take a short pause right now and see if we can do a little business, and I'll come back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Back together here. Hey, uh, reiterating, going back to Danny's question about a Sterling shower door. Uh, it's owned by Kohler, so Kohler by Sterling. Sterling is a company Kohler bought, and Sterling is kind of the prepackaged shower door company. So you buy it in a box and you take it home, you put it up yourself. So it's not a custom made thing. Therefore, parts are a little tough to find. Uh, reiterating who that company was, uh, number one, go to the hardware store first. Start with the people that can see what you're trying to do. Take a photograph with you there. They can generally help you and will help you. So hardware store, uh, you can go to a home center that uh, might sell those sterling doors. It's more of a generic repair piece. And if you need to, you can go online at crlawrence.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E, crlawrence.com problem there is once you get a neophyte and you know i'm pretty fluent in all this stuff the problem is i look at 12 of those magnets like danny's looking for and i don't know exactly which one i have because i just have a piece of it and i'm looking at it it's like it doesn't look exactly right and then you have to pick the right finish is it you know is it anodized aluminum is it kind of a chromish thing is it brass polish you know So the point being that having somebody help you through that, whether a glass company like Kirkwood Glass, St. Charles Glass, um, anything like that, those those are the guys that know. Uh, Let's go to the uh, back to the phone lines here. Talk to my buddy Jason. See what's cooking with him. Hey Jason, good afternoon. Welcome to Camwex. How can I help? Hey hey Scott, Um, this is Jason. I've got a follow up question to the roof venting question that a gentleman had a moment ago. Yes. Okay, so I've got a uh, 
small home in South St. Louis, built in like 1953. Okay. It's got a hip roof, okay. and it actually has no eaves at all. Right. So in that case, how do you properly vent that type of attic? Uh, well, at the time that <laughs> at the time you're re-roofing your house, there are a couple ways on this. First off, I love a hip roof. A hip roof from a wind standpoint, deflects a whole lot of wind. So a hip roof is a pretty solid roof. Uh, that means gutters are around on foreside. Intake for venting the attic for all the listeners needs to happen all the way around four sides. Um, there is a product that is sold by the roof ventilator manufacturing companies where you basically take your gutter board, yeah, remove all your gutters, Take your gutter boards off, and you move the gutter boards out about an inch and a half with a spacer. That creates an inch and a half vented flange that lets the air come in all the way around. But you have to do this at the time of the shingles because you just sure. can't make your roof, you know, an inch and a half bigger without, you know, messing with the shingles, which is pricey in itself. So there are ways to do that. And frankly, Jason, to the point earlier with Jim, I've seen pan vents installed you know a couple of feet up above the gutter line to create that intake um, because a, a, a ridge vent you know on a, on a hip roof there's virtually no ridge now there are ridge vents that can be installed up the diagonal hips of the roof and virtually sure. nothing at the top so it gets kind of funky looking is the problem so you're almost well, better I... off with pan vents on a hip roof yeah, I forgot to mention, Scott, that it does have an outlet up at the top of the hip. Mm -hmm. um, okay. It just doesn't have the inlet at the bottom. Yeah. It, well, explore. So you, you said the the roof ventilator company? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's like Ridge Vent Company. GAF is uh, one of the big manufacturers. They have venting. Uh, and frankly, it, it's going to take a carpenter typically to make this happen but the way they go about it is if you're at the time you're re-roofing we just move the the ridge boards out or the uh, gutter boards out an inch and a half and then they have this uh you know metal vent that has a good free air space or fas which stands for free air let of how much air comes through and that's how you get your perimeter inlet intake air the other Great. thing, Jason, are pan vents low. They're very inexpensive. You don't have to do all this. You just have to get them high enough on the roof that a foot and a half of snow and ice buildup around your gutters doesn't create a leak. You follow me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. Good luck, Jason. It, it's, a, it's a long conversation and a short project to get done. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. So as you get into roof ventilations... Um, and, you know, we're all old Southside Dutch. At least I'm South County guy. So it was very common with the whirlybirds on the roofs that every year the, uh, you know, the guys trying to save heat in the winter would go up and put trash bags over their whirlybird attic vents. Uh, looks good. It does definitely hold heat, but it holds moisture, too. Even in the winter, you wind up with moisture and humidity, so it's a big deal. So putting a plastic uh, trash bag over your whirlybird vent, you know, kind of like you, you cover over your air conditioner, that, well, both of those things are not really a good idea because they prevent the removal of moisture uh, in your attic and changing the air over for good ventilation. So anyway, long and the short of it is all those old uh, trash cans that were put on those whirlybird vents 
50, 60 years ago looked like a good idea. They weren't from a building science standpoint. So anyway, uh, I'm going to take a short pause and come back for more here on CAMWEX. My name is Scott Mosby. We are on the CAMWEX Home Improvement Show, 50,000 watts answering your question, trying to get it done for you to keep you, your family, and your house healthy, safe, and strong. I'll be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, we've got lots of things to talk about here. Running out of time on University of KMOX. Uh, bring on your questions, though. 314-436-7900. 436-7900. And next up, let's talk with my friend Donald. Hey, Donald, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you today on KMOX? Hi, how are you, sir? Fantastic. Um, I had a question regarding uh, expansion tanks for hot water heaters. I, I guess two questions. First of yeah. all, why are they necessary? And how do you know what municipality or county they're required in? And will it fail a home inspection if uh, there is not one on there? Yeah, generally home inspections won't fail but it will always be reported. So whether or not your house uh, is up to code is not what a home inspector will do. So a private home inspector inspecting it for a house sale will note and say, water heater appears to be eight years old, all looks in working condition. There's noticeably absent, no expansion tank on this water heater, might look into a plumber to install an expansion tank. Here's why St. Louis County, all of St. Louis County, requires an expansion tank. Some of that is the sophistication of St. Louis County. They're pretty smart birds over there. So as far as getting things um, safely installed, uh, think about this. If you have a boiler, hot water heat, steam heat, you're pressurizing water. And when water gets hot, it, it expands and it creates a greater pressure. Well, your water heater for showering and around your house, just your lavatory sinks, also heats water. As that water heats, it is a closed system. And in so, as such, it has a temperature and pressure relief valve to keep you from exploding. But the issue is the pressure can go way up and way down on the, on the hot water side. And so think of it as a shock absorber, and that's all it really is. It is a metal tank, looks like kind of a, you know, small propane tank. And inside that has a balloon, kind of a bladder that has air in it so that as pressure rises, it compresses that air and somewhat softens, controls the, you know, the expansive slash explosive potential in a hot water system. So, you know... um, Boilers have those. They have expansion tanks. Lo and behold, this is just something that got added by St. Louis County about 15 years ago, and it's just kind of a preventive safety thing. And when you get into pipe hammer or wearing out your faucets, that's where you get that's where you get your money back in value. Then why is it on the cold water side, and is it required in St. Charles County? Do you know? Uh, I don't know about St. Charles County, but uh, typically the hot and the cold are still, you're still tied together, a bridge between your hot and your cold. There's nothing that really keeps those on the supply side in front of the water heater. So that's kind of the issue. It It is there to uh, soften the expansive value because the hot goes up, the pressure goes up on the cold too, because it'll backfeed uh, across these um, the pipes in your basement. Okay. Um 
yeah, I was wondering why, yeah, why you needed it because you do have the pressure release release valve or right. whatever on the side of the hot water heater. I thought that well, did the well, same thing. Hang on, I'm going to really scot this up. This is a good question, and you're asking a good one here, Donald. Um, as the uh, single-handled faucets or scald guard faucets is one of the brand names. So as for a shower valve, you have a hot and a cold. Uh, if somebody flushes the toilet next to that shower, that bather, that takes all the cold water away, drops the pressure on the cold side dramatically, and all you get is hot water coming out on the shower. That's why the code requires now single-handled faucets on the shower so that it can balance. And those balances are balanced with spring. So when it senses the cold water dropping, that spring expands and it closes down the flow of the hot water as well. So you get less water, but you don't scald, you don't burn the bather right out of the shower. Um, when you get that, the, as those age, you that's an issue but because of those faucets, the next step is this expansion tank on the water system to kind of moderate the overall water. So it's a big safety device. You could drive your car without shock absorbers and everything would be fine. You'd just kind of shake your car, you know, to pieces a little sooner. Likewise, your plumbing system, the more you can control consistent and, and not rapid changing pressures in your water supply piping, the better off those pipes, faucets, and appliances are going to continue to work. How's that for a long okay. answer? It's, it's yeah. a good idea. It's not necessary. Um, it, it's additional expense forced, you know, through the code, but it's a pretty good reason for it being there, frankly. Okay. Well, I just want to say happy Father's Day to you and all the other dads out there. I'm headed to go meet two of my daughters for lunch right now. Right on, Donald. Thank you. And to you, brother, by the way. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. All right. All Bye. right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Good point there from Donald. We've had some pretty good questions here from the garage door, the overhead red handle disconnect in first hour, anode rod in the first hour, uh, the glass shower, the, the magnet is, is off Danny's shower door. Where do I get that fixed? All those sorts of attic ventilation. All of these things are money to you and convenience or not. And Donald's expansion tank, uh, you know, it's a, it's, um, it is a preventive maintenance tool excuse me tool that goes on your water supply and return and it's nothing more than a shock absorber for pressurized water uh it's a good thing to have um and and pipe hammer if any of you have had pipe hammer where you know your faucet goes you know you turn the faucet kind of off or the toilet's not full not fully finished filling and all of a sudden you get this like a shaking rambling rumbling that's one form of pipe hammer literally where it's the same as somebody taking a wood handle on a on a hammer and banging it on your pipes the other is kind of a clarinet saxophone reed instrument sort of sound and that comes typically where your solenoid valve there's an electrically operated on off water switch on a clothes washer, a dishwasher, uh, typically on um, uh, your toilet filler tank, that float can come up and almost be off but not, and it causes a flutter or a back and forth flow in that water supply pipe. I know I'm glazing you over here. The long and the short of it is that for those of you that know what pipe hammer is or that honking tone side, that comes from those solenoid valves or <clears throat> your um, ball cock in your uh, uh, water 
toilet tank not fully shutting off. And when they get tired, just like your knees and ankles and hips, when they get tired and they wear out, they don't shut off fully. Sometimes when they're not shut off fully, they offer that that fluttering because it can't quite get her done to shut off the water. So it's important. Realize that um, when you get those sorts of things, that's important. This pressurized hot water tank is the same kind of thing. It works just like a shock absorber on your car, and it takes away some of that hammer uh, impact. Uh, Because think about it. When your cold water is on and you've got it going through your faucet, let's say you've got 60 PSI in your water, that water is running 30, 35 miles an hour. And on a single-handle faucet, you slap that thing off like zero to now. So you just had a collision of a half-inch round tube of water stopping instantly at 60 PSI. So just be aware, uh, lots of things happening here. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got Retire Ready coming up here in the next hour on CAMWEX. Tonight, the cards play game time 615, pregame 520 right here on CAMWEX. We've got a good day going on. Retire Ready will get you up to speed of what it takes to get from here to there. And indeed, cards today at uh, 6.15 tonight. Uh, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, I enjoy being with you. I'll be here next week. Uh, after that, I'm going to do a little traveling. So, uh, you know, a little globe trotting. Coming out of lockdown of the pandemic, like all the rest of you, I'm one of those guys <laughs> making those airfares go up. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX. Stay tuned. Retire ready right here on KMOX. <laughs> 